you are experiencing HR After Dark, solving the people problems that keep you up at night. We exist to make the people part of business easier for leaders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business owners of all kinds. And thank you for tuning in to HR After Dark. I'm your host, Jada Willis, CEO of Willis HR. So I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects. I know you're going to probably think I'm a nerd after I say this, but yep, it's compliance, compliance audits. Okay. And before you click off, this is a really important topic for small business owners, for leaders, even if you have one employee or 50 employees or a hundred employees, this is a serious topic that we need to discuss. Now, obviously, depending on your employee count may also dictate certain things that you have to do as a leader to ensure compliance at the state and federal level. But I like to say, so as we are onboarding new clients, and if you're following us on social media, we recently onboarded a new client in Nashville, several in South Carolina, and also North Carolina. And so it's constantly top of mind at Willis HR is thinking through the compliance portion of HR. One aspect that we do and how we start in the engagement process of a new client is typically 90 days to HR health. So in this timeline, what we're doing is actually crafting a customized checklist, but a compliance audit, an internal audit for that particular client. Now, even if you are an HR professional, currently, I would highly recommend that you're conducting your own internal HR audit. And even if you need a checklist, you can still reach out to us at Willis HR to to provide that to you. And then you customize it to the organization. Typically, this is done at the end of the fiscal year. Some individuals actually opt to conduct an internal HR audit at the beginning of the new year. It really has to make sense for the business and, and what the goal is. So the goal should be, hey, am I in compliance with state local and federal regulations. And then also, even from a policy perspective and just building in consistency, am I doing the things that I say I'm going to do in my standard operating procedures? And a lot of leaders do not think about the extra step of what have you set forth in the way of goals and and expectations and, and procedures, and are we following it? Are we even doing a self-audit and making sure that We're even protecting ourselves from information security and making sure that, you know, even from a cybersecurity. Now, I'm going into a a different rabbit hole. I'm going to stay into the the HR lane. And, you know, some of the obvious reasons why are are really to reduce the risk of of penalties, right? So if you would receive an audit, there could be a potential violation. Um, Typically, you know, I've seen most commonly it could be uh, wage and hour violations or not classifying employees correctly. Maybe you have contractors and you're actually, they should be employees. And so really along those lines, I mean, there's several examples and I can highlight many of those. What I've heard, fortunately, that's our goal is really to prevent those issues when it comes to our client base, but it's really to mitigate risk. That's our, that's our job from an HR perspective. But another reason is that as we're getting to know the client, this new organization's new to us, then we want to also have a framework of where are we starting? A lot of times whenever I'm even doing, so I usually handle the sales uh, piece and business development for Willis HR. And 
in the discovery call, the onboarding phase of even that client, if I ask three or four questions, I have a general idea of how typically HR practices, policies, and how things are going at the organization. And it also usually leads to further questioning that I add basically back to our auditing process. And it gives me the opportunity to say, hey, I already know that we're going to have to revamp an employee handbook. One really good example is, you know, if you are an employer and in, in, let's just say South Carolina, but you do have employees living in another state. So living and working in another state could be North Carolina or any other state that's other than South Carolina. So what that means is that you will need a multi-state employee handbook. Now, there is some confusion. And in talking to a variety of different prospective clients and even in other HR organizations that they're experiencing the same thing when you're talking to uh, nonprofits and, and small businesses, that they thought that it resides in where the organization is headquartered. And that is not accurate. So um, where the employee is living and working is a certain percentage of time. But and we can break that down if you need that additional piece of it to determine what the next steps are if you need a multi-state employee handbook. But for the most part, let's just assume if they're living and working in a different state, even than the one that you currently are based out of as the organization, multi-state employee handbook. And there's a lot that comes with that, right? You have to make sure that payroll is being administered correctly. In addition to that, it will be adhering to those specific state uh, regulations. And from an audit, we're looking at a variety of different factors. Immediately, I want to know, how are you onboarding employees? It's really easy, obviously, if it's just in one state. But a lot of the employers that we're talking to really are hiring and, and, and you kind of need to because recruiting's a beast right now. Labor market's a beast, but they're looking at hiring in different states. Absolutely fine. Great idea. But there are preparations that you have to do. And then also just a variety of different factors you need to consider. And that really could impact your employee handbook if your current state that you occupy uh, has different state regulations than the one that the employee is actually now being hired in. So a lot of pieces to consider, but that's typically not the like the employer. We, we want to do that. We want to help you with that at Willis HR. But if you don't have us or you do not have an HR partner, then it is the leaders, the CEO's responsibility to be up to date when it comes to federal and state regulations. And specifically, again, talking about right now, the onboarding process. Then we're also looking at your policies and making sure that there is not discrimination um, and you are providing an equal employment opportunity and workplace. In addition, I know it's really simple, but what about labor law posters? You have no idea how many organizations that I walk into or even ask the question, do you, so where are your employment and labor posters located? And I get the response of what posters, um, I think they're in that closet somewhere. And um I don't I don't know. I think I, I we put them up about 10 years ago. Is there like do we have to like update them or it is really important that you have 
up-to-date employment and labor posters. And then I'm going to even give you this, this tidbit of advice. If you have remote employees, then you need to make sure that they're easily accessible to your remote employees. Just because you have a physical location, you will also need to make sure they're at that physical location and accessible and available and distributed to your remote employees as well. And remember, if they're in a different state, they're going to have additional state posters that are going to be required as well. All right. I'm giving you all kinds of freebies here. So much goodness. You can tell we love compliance. We want to make sure that we're adhering to employment and labor laws, but the organization is protected. We're doing things the right way. We're mitigating risk. And these are just some of the pieces that we consider. So in addition to that, we're then going to start looking at, and we may include this at the beginning of our project, or this could be down the road as a reoccurring client, but exempt and non-exempt employee status. So that is the classification piece, FLSA classifications. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and you are an employer, then please go to willishr.com and contact us, okay? And the reason why I say that, I, I was somewhat in jest, but really... There have been a number of misclassification cases that are popping up on our HR blogs. So what that indicates to me is, is that's a focus right now from a government perspective. That being the case for an employer, let's pay attention to the trends and let's make sure that we're going through an FLSA audit. And you understand, you as the employer, as the CEO, understand what does it mean to be an exempt employee, a non-exempt employee, an hourly versus a salaried employee? Is there thresholds from a pay standpoint? The answer is yes. Again, freebies all over the place here. Whenever you're thinking through also the employees, the uh, policies, excuse me, that you have in place, think about your open door policy. Think about how is your complaint reporting process going? Does everyone understand your complaint reporting process? And an easy way to also get to know how your employees feel is remember an employee survey. And in an employee survey, you can target really anything that, that you want from a, you know, how satisfied I am in my job to even how, how satisfied I am from a compensation perspective. It really depends on the data, the results that you're looking for and what you are trying to obtain, or even do I know the company complaint reporting process? What is it? If you really want to know if your employees understand your policies, I think it'd be great to, well, simply ask, but also put it in survey format. So that's just looking at, you know, the compliance aspects of it. Of course, I can go further in depth because it's just when I say 90 days, I mean, there are several aspects that we can include to look at the organization holistically. And I like to say we are focused on compliance and which meets culture. If you have certain compliance errors or issues, it most definitely will be impactful to the culture that you are cultivating from your employee base. That could be inconsistencies in an onboarding perspective, how you are even holding employees accountable and implementing policies and and future best practices. So, but it starts with compliance. It really starts with compliance. And if you're planning on growing your organization, usually there'll be clients that reach out and say, you know, we're new to this, we're out, you know, outsourcing our HR, but we do plan on some pretty serious growth. We want to add five employees this year. 
Well, that's still, that's, that's significant. You know, hiring one employee is significant and actually can be really impactful, you know, to the budget, to the organization. It's great, but it's, it's a change, right? And so with that being the case, you do want to make sure from a foundational perspective, that being com- compliance, you are up to date, you are aware, and this is you being leadership are aware of the things that need to be in place and you continually are looking at how do I make sure that I'm staying up to date? And that's where we come in. So if you have any questions, if any of this has sparked your interest or really just concern, your head is now in your hand and you're like, what am I doing? I don't know any of this. Please, I want you to make sure that you reach out to Willis HR. Please feel free to email us, info at willishr.com. Go to our website, willishr.com, and you can even give us a give us a call, 803-714-3715. We are here to really ease these worries. We're a partner for nonprofits and also for for-profit organizations, typically up to 50 employees. We really are trying to make sure that leaders are getting some sleep tonight. And I'm going to leave you with this. As I do in most every podcast episode, I want you to think about, are you doing one kind thing for yourself? How about one kind thing for someone else? I challenge you, do something kind for yourself and someone around you. 